My Nourish Balance Thrive supplement line has finally arrived. I am so excited to share them with you all. I have been taking the products for months now to test them first. And now that they are here for you, I want to share with you my favorite product of all of them. They're all really amazing. But this one is the Nourish Liver Support. We talk about toxicity a lot on the pod, from our food and our environment to the air that we breathe and the water that we drink. And as you've heard me say, if we're not getting rid of toxins, on a daily basis, they're going to store in certain areas of your body, kind of think of it being stored in your fat. So as I've told so many of my patients over the years, if they're struggling with weight loss, one reason could be an overburdened body because you just got so many extra toxins being stored in the fat and your body won't release that fat. So we've got to be able to help filter the stuff out and your liver is a filter. So the Nourish Liver Support, I absolutely love. You can check it out at drlisao.com. Click on shop or just click the link below. I want to introduce you to my newest product, Balance Tea in my Nourish Balance Thrive line. What is Balance Tea? This is balancing out testosterone. It might just be the supplement that you've been missing in your entire routine. Ladies, I don't want you to freak out thinking this is only for men. This is also for you. We need testosterone in the right amounts to promote lean, sexy muscle. So if you are realizing you're doing your workouts, you're not really gaining muscle mass, you can't figure out what's going on, you might want this product. So I absolutely love it. I noticed a huge change in my workouts immediately after I started testing it out. So check it out. Grab a bottle for you. Grab a bottle for your hubby. You're going to love it. Click the link below. Otherwise, DrLisaO.com and then click on the shop button. Do you feel like keto has to be boring and bland? It doesn't. And I have three different downloadable recipe guides for you over at drlisao.com forward slash keto cookbooks. You can grab them all for 20 bucks. I have an entire book on keto friendly desserts keto-friendly appetizers, cocktails, and mocktails, and an entire recipe guide. So don't struggle through the holiday season trying to figure out what you're going to eat to keep your diet in check. I've got you all hooked up. DrLisaO.com forward slash keto cookbooks or click the link below. Hey there, Rockstar. I'm so glad you're here. I know you've been struggling for a while, trying to figure out why things just aren't changing. I've been there. I get you. I see you. I know how hard you're trying. I'm here to let you know that there's light at the end of the tunnel, and I'm here to teach you the simple steps to becoming that healthy, vibrant, best version of you. Are you ready? Let's do this. All right. When I was doing research for my Healthy Vibrant Women's Summit in 2020, I came across this woman's profile on Instagram and decided I had to interview her for the summit. And then after we had done that interview, it was like, and we have got to set up another time to do another interview for a podcast. And so I've had this for a little while, but I really want to share it with you all because we're going to deep dive today into postpartum and all this stuff. And so I don't want you to tune out if you are like, oh my gosh, I had babies like 20 years ago or 30 years ago. Here's the deal. You're still postpartum, right? And unfortunately, because women, we all do it. We take care of everybody else, especially after having a baby, right? Like we put our lives on hold for the next 20 years. But 
these things can come back to haunt us later. So we're going to talk about all of this. And especially even if you have just had a baby recently, let's deep dive into that too. So this is Crystal Howald uh, from Expecting and Empowered on Instagram. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Lisa Olszewski. And you guys, I am so excited for today's presentation or our talk today. I shouldn't say presentation, but it's, it's going to be good regardless. I have Crystal Howald. Did I say it correctly this time? No. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I just told her, I said, I didn't even realize I did it until I looked at the recording for the summit. And I was like, I said, Howard, how did I say Howard? I'm like, I knew there was no R in that. <laughs> so Crystal is a doctor of physical therapy. And you might know her if you followed. I've had a lot of patients tell me just a different. Um, that's how I found you was on Instagram. So she has a great following of expecting and empowered on Instagram. And we're just going to just deep dive into all sorts of good stuff today. That's what I think, Crystal, is going to be so great because I have no idea what direction we're going to go in all of this, but I know it's going to work out perfectly. <laughs> Sometimes I don't know what direction we're going either. That's how my mind usually works. <laughs> Mind you, see, this is why this is all working out well then. <laughs> because I'll go in and I'm like, let's just jump. And they're like, wait a minute, how are we doing this? <laughs> just give me like a lasso signal if we're too far off track and then I'll know to bring it back in. <laughs> Yeah, it was funny. I recorded um, actually on Saturday for something and we did one thing for the summit. And then I was like, okay, what do we, what do you want to do for the podcast? And she was like, I want to talk. And we, I mean, just dropped all sorts of vulgar stuff. And I was like, all right, let's go there. <laughs> so I don't even know how my audience is going to deal with it. But I had to do a prep to say, if you have little ears in the car, this is not one you want to listen to <laughs> right now. Anyways, we're, I, who knows? I'll, we can always make that later. So Crystal, you work with postpartum patients. So let's talk about that because women, here's the deal. You might be six months postpartum. You might be 50 years postpartum, but there can be issues that happen after childbirth, right? Totally. And I think there's so many. So this is how I actually ended up getting into this area. So I went to PT school and I'm like, yo, I'm all about the orthopedic manual therapy stuff. And then I selfishly took a women's health elective because I wanted to know what was going to go on with my body when I chose to have kids, hopefully one day. And then every single freaking day that this course was going on, my jaw was like literally on the floor because there's so much information that women aren't even getting to make informed healthcare decisions. So I just feel like it's so difficult to navigate this time. First of all, there's you don't have a lot of time, a lot of energy. Like you don't even have the freaking information that you need to know about how to heal postpartum. And then the, the sad thing is that can go down the line, right? So if you are a runner, want to get back to running, that can become really hard and you can feel like you're the only one that has it or all of a sudden having sex is really difficult. So these things have gotten labeled as like, quote unquote, normal. And I don't think that they're normal, but I think that they're very common. But I also think there's a lot of things that we can do preventatively during pregnancy, during labor and delivery, if we had the right knowledge during that postpartum period to really help our bodies heal. And just like you said in the intro, the amazing thing is even if your baby is like 25 freaking years old and asking for you to Venmo the money... <laughs> you could still be doing things to help your body heal during that time period because it's all about like 
literally I think of it as like baseball. You have to just go back straight to the basics. There might be a lot of like junk you have to unravel to fix things later on. So it might take a little bit longer and maybe a a set of skillful eyes to help you along the way as well. But I do think that there's so many things that again, they just get passed on as normal and you don't even know that your freaking quality of life could be like tenfold, right? Right. And I just want to work. They like very primitive. And what I love about what you and your sister are doing, like you are two females that are just digging right in and explaining this to females. Because what I have seen, whether it's friends, whether it's patients, I mean, I love men, don't get me wrong on it, but like they don't necessarily, they're not in our body to know how it's working. And some of the diagnosis that I've heard, like literally I have somebody that was just told they have an angry vagina and just deal that sex is going to hurt. Oh my gosh, that makes me so angry. angry. And it really actually <laughs> makes me very sad though, because there's right. so much you could do. So like one of the things too, that I just wanted to review is like kind of what kept my jaw on the floor during those first initial courses. Cause when you look at, I'm a very stats person. So when you look at the stats, it's like, you are not alone and it is not just happening to you. 30, like, so for example, urinary leakage while you're pregnant people think like oh i just piddled because i laughed and that's funny and and you know when you pass that off like and not to try to paint like a a jewelry picture because i'm very not into scare care but i also am into like if you know what's happening to your body then you can know what the repercussions down the line are so urinary incontinence if you're having that during pregnancy which a lot of people do 35 percent of women will have urinary incontinence which means like literally a drop of urine Like, so that's not like full out leaking your pants, but it could be, but a drop of urine is considered urinary incontinence. 50% of those women will go on 15 years later to be like full out urinary incontinence where they're leaking because that makes sense, right? As our Mm -hmm. tissues age, as our body has to have more stresses applied to it, like through functional daily living things, those like their, their pelvic floor is not magically going to stay healthy and well during that time. Or two, maybe those people haven't been taught, which we'll talk about a little bit later in this, but haven't been taught like how to heal the pelvic floor. The pelvic floor, the poor freaking pelvic floor is like the friendliest little area. It wants to help the body heal. And it's a very transitional area. So forces from our upper body to our lower body get extenuated through that area. But there's so many different things that go into pelvic floor healing. So if you're leaking urine, again, all of these things are really a total body issue. You got to look up and down the whole chain. This poor area, it's like if Kegels are the answer, that probably doesn't work for like, I would honestly guess a ton of women. I would say majority of women that I know that are doing Kegels haven't seen any changes with them. Yeah, totally. Because there's so much else that goes into that. But just to go down the stats. So sex, you you brought that up. I mean, there can be different reasons for pain with sex. You guys, these are like primitive functions that we all have to have. We all have to eat. We have to sleep. And I would honestly include sex being in that function. So then why is it acceptable that um, 33% of women are still having sex, painful sex? Painful so sex. that's like, and it, to define that, because I think too, People forget what it is, but even insertional pain. So if you're having penetrable sex, insertional pain, thrusting pain, like an aching after sex, those would all be considered painful sex. And then still like six months down the road, 17% of people, that's almost like two out of 10 people are still having pain after babies come. So like we'll again talk through in a little bit about how to flip that switch, but 
Prolapse is another thing that you see so often in women and approximately 15% of people when they hit the age 50 will show signs of prolapse and 11% of those women will undergo a gynecological surgery to help with that. A lot of this stuff can be like fixed in this Mm -hmm. initial period or the damage can be reduced so that we don't have these things later. So that's, I mean, it's huge. That's so huge. Because I also think of like, because then that's when they'll do the sling later on, right? Would be Um, Well, the prolapse surgery is like a little bit different than sling surgery, but yes. But then too, again, like I sound like the big Debbie Downer here, but 50% of those women, they will actually fail that surgery. So that's not the initial cause of helping the organs kind of come back up into. So pelvic organ prolapse is when your organs are starting to move around a little bit. So the bladder, the uterus, or the rectum are starting to peep through the vaginal wall. And that often feels like heaviness to women, pelvic floor fatigue. It can be painful during intercourse or during a bowel movement can be more difficult. So fixing with the surgeries are really not the answer. It's trying to teach people how to control that pressure and then strength. And yeah. but you can see how common it is. And it just gets brushed underneath the rug for these poor women in the postpartum period. And I know you probably see it too in your line of work. I see it. I see the failed surgeries all the time, right? All the time. <laughs> so okay. yeah, so surgery is always, I mean, I'm not to say that surgery is not an option. Just like make surgery your last option. Like try everything else as holistic, as natural as you can first, right? Going through therapeutic exercises, et cetera. Totally. And I think too, it totally depends who you see, right? So if you were to mm-hmm. see maybe somebody like you or me, that makes sense, right? Because that's a tool in our toolbox. But if you're going into your OBGYN and they send you off, and then so then then you can think like surgery is the only option because you've never been mm-hmm. told. So that's why things like this podcast help inform people. Absolutely. Make informed decisions about their health care in that way. Yeah. And that's exactly what I always tell my patients because they'll be like, why did my MD say this? I'm like, well, it's what's the tool in the toolbox. I'm like, you know, like where basically all of our curriculums are very similar. And, and at least what I use my, my explanation for chiropractic from medical school was that our first year, all the same, but where we went off and learned nutrition and adjustments, that's when they learned drugs and surgery, right? Like, so it's all, we all learn the basic sciences. It's all the same stuff at the beginning. So it's just what tools are in the toolbox. So I'm glad that you said that. Yeah, totally. Honestly, think a lot of postpartum healing too starts way before we're even like thinking about having children. So like even preconception, there's a lot of things that we can do. Number one, into getting pregnant and getting pregnant easier. There's so much information now that's starting to come out about infertility and these different mechanisms behind getting pregnant. So the position of our body, if we've had an injury from a car accident or, and or a sports injury or whatever the heck you're doing in life where we've had a disruption of the system, that can change how our pelvic organs function or our reproductive organs yeah. function together. So where the uterus and the fallopian tubes are and the ovaries and everything that goes into starting to make a baby, I think that the road would be a lot less rough for people too, if they had some resources to that. Another thing is nutrition, starting exposure to chemicals. We don't even know how much with chemicals. A great resource for that is it starts with the egg is a book that women that are thinking about getting pregnant or they've gotten pregnant and then they haven't carried out the pregnancies, like they continue to have miscarriages down the road. That is a great resource for 
those kind of women because I think that's also where somebody is seeing like a chiropractor or a PT can really help you yeah. on your path to getting pregnant, even even if you haven't had problems. Like I'm super right. into preventative care. So that would be it such an ideal situation. Yeah. And making sure that like the nutritional foundation is set for, for baby, for growing an amazing baby, right? Like that's where we always check, you know, with omega threes and that type of stuff. But there is, and I might've talked about it and I don't even remember I've interviewed so many people and whether it's for the summit or for the podcast, but the hundreds of chemicals that are found in a newborn baby's blood, like on the umb- umbilical cord blood, like the baby hasn't even made it out of the womb yet. Like it's literally just out of the womb. And the amount of blood or amount of chemicals found, it just says that's the toxicity of our society today. So what we can control, let's control it, right? Like That's so interesting. I I have to stop with that is seriously. I mean, that doesn't surprise me because this book, I mean, I read it after. So I'm at the point where I've had three. And if I want to keep my sanity, I'm trying not to get pregnant again. (laughs) (laughs) I read this book. I listened to it on the audio. After I was done having my three, but I was like, oh my goodness, this is so crazy. Like, why don't people know this? So that was done at like, honestly, by a biochemist. It's so interesting because she's very like chemistry driven, which that's what happens when you make a baby, right? It's a lot. Right. Of- it's all, yeah, it's exactly. <laughs> and so then it just says how intelligent our body is to be able to create another little being that turns out happy and healthy, even though we are in. Like all the, everything's stacked against us right now with toxicity of this world. <laughs> totally. But she, she had such a cool perspective on it. And she was saying too, like physicians nowadays just don't have the time to go back and even like review. Like, so when you're talking about a meta-analysis, putting all the research together, like we're seeing patients. We don't have the time to go back. So that was pretty much, she had infertility issues. That was her job. She literally went back and went through all the chemistry stuff about what it takes to get pregnant and kind of put all of that stuff together. So I know there's been more additions in the first, but um, that I think is so interesting. That's really cool. So like set you up for success in that postpartum period as well. Mm -hmm. Awesome. What else you got? I'm sorry. I just am like interrupting as you're, I'm like, oh, Oh, no, I love that. I love that because I'm a huge learner. I literally love learning. (laughs) So I learn from anybody that will give me information. Okay. So pregnancy. The best way definitely to kind of support your system during pregnancy, this will probably feel like the weird, like, like you're not actually in your own body sometimes. And some of it is because of that hormone fluctuation. So our bodies are so smart. They're literally preparing us for labor and delivery. But along with that goes a lot of instability. So that's why during pregnancy, you'll see a lot of like, oh, my back is killing me. My hips hurt when I sleep or when I roll over in bed or I can't even put my freaking pants on because my pubic bone hurts. So our bodies are naturally setting us up for that flexibility so that when baby descends into the pelvis, our pelvis has enough room to open and grow. What's the secret to your hair, Dr. Lisa? I get that question so much. And what I have changed recently is using my Nourish Collagen Peptides from the Nourish Balance Thrive line. As you know, before I ever put my name on anything, I test it out for months. And so therefore, I have been using this product for a long time before it ever became available to you guys. Why am I loving this product so much more than any other ones that I've ever used? A, this is grass-fed collagen. So if you are dealing with post-COVID hair loss, if you are dealing with a Hashimoto's diagnosis or a hypo or just low thyroid diagnosis and you're losing your hair, or maybe you're noticing your hair just isn't as thick as it used to be when you were in your 20s, right? There's so many of us noticing that. 
you might want to add some collagen into your routine. And the Nourish Collagen Peptides is from grass-fed cows, so you're going to love that. You're not going to get all the nasty hormones or whatever else that might be in conventional products. I am always looking for the cleanest source available. What else? If you're looking in the mirror and you're noticing those laugh lines, or if you can pinch your skin and it doesn't like rebound back as fast as it used to, that means the elasticity of your skin just isn't there and we want to rebuild it, nourish it so it can thrive, right? So the Nourish Collagen Peptides will do just that. And obviously, as a chiropractor, I love this because it is good for your joint health as well. So Nourish Collagen Peptides has type 1 and type 3 collagen peptides in it, which are great for, like I said, hair, skin, and nails. So if you are dealing with laugh lines or thinning hair or creaky joints, you're going to want to grab a container of the Nourish Collagen Peptides. You can mix it into your smoothies, into your coffee. You can mix it into like your brownies if you're eating that drlisao.com, click the shop link or click the link below. And allow baby to come into the world, hopefully the way that they're intended to. But during that time, I think if you have never done strength and conditioning, and I know I've seen on your Instagram and stuff, you're huge on this too. But if you've never done strength and conditioning, this is like the time to start to implement a program that's going to help support your body. Because there's a lot of things that happen during pregnancy that put our body in these different changes. So basically what we want to do is kind of fight the pregnancy postures that we would think of as normal. So for example, during pregnancy, you'll see that waddle gait a lot in females. So our feet will rotate out to the outside. Our toes actually come outward and that helps increase our base of support because we have this huge bump in the front and we have to carry the sucker around all day. But instead, what we can do is we can really strengthen and condition some of the deep hip rotator muscles. And then even more so, the hip rotators are literally a mirror or a reflection of our pelvic floor. Some of the muscles go and interdigitate and intertwine in the pelvic floor muscles. So the more that we can help support our pelvic floor during pregnancy through our hip muscles, there's less pressure. Again, remember that pelvic floor was our little escape code. So we're trying to help it out instead of creating more work for that part of pelvic floor to do because, and we'll talk about this in a second, but during labor and delivery, the pelvic floor needs to get the F out of the way. The pelvic floor (laughs) needs to be able to relax. So if during pregnancy, we can help support through the hip muscles that will put less tension or tone in our pelvic floor so that it has the ability to get out of the way. Other things would be pelvic positioning. So often during pregnancy, you'll see that like accentuated low back arch, which is called an anterior pelvic tilt or lumbar lordosis. So during pregnancy, it's really nice if you can think about inhaling, kind of accentuating that arch to the end range, and then exhaling, tucking your tailbone up and in, zipping your abdominals up like a tight pair of pants and exhaling out so that we're getting the extremes of motion. So often with pregnancy, you'll see like the two extremes, you know, like usually during pregnancy, you'll see the anterior pelvic tilt. And then after pregnancy, you'll see somebody smack into posterior pelvic tilt, Mm -hmm. which means that your pelvis is kind of pulled forward. So during pregnancy, you want to be able to move your pelvis through those different positions. Because sometimes too, when you try to do it, you can't even get the two extremes or the two ranges. So we want to live in pelvic neutral if possible. So a great way to find pelvic neutral is just, again, tuck your butt out and arch your back 
and then tuck your pelvis underneath you by pulling your tailbone up and in, zipping up your abdominals, and then trying to relax and find the middle ground on that. And that can be really relieving too during pregnancy when you're talking about all the weight in the front. Um, I'll give that to patients just as an exercise often so that they can kind of have, they're not stuck. Basically what happens is they become stuck. So the low back is like the swampy, nasty area that's like always like freaking rock hard. And it's no wonder why so many people have low back pain because there's just so much pressure on that area during pregnancy. Right. And then especially if that whole pelvis ends up shifting and rotating with that, and then you just think of what that's doing to the uterus and the higher risk then of a cesarean too. So you were, you know. other people were just talking about that because she's taking a yoga course right now for um, like pregnancy. And it's insane too, like the amount of breech babies, because that's what happened to me. So I actually mm-hmm. have three cesarean sections. And I really think that I probably just way over exercised. Mm-hmm. So like my hips and pelvic floor were not allowed to relax. And the baby, like even with a cephalic inversion, we could not get <laughs> flipped for the life of us. And you're a physical job all day too, right? Like I see that with my chiropractic, my female chiropractic friends too, who are like side posturing pelvis all day long. And they just because they're tor- you know, so much torsion within their body that they just they ended up going. I have several that ended up going into emergency C's because yeah, it was, was just like, yeah. I love to see studies on this too because we were talking about like actually over exercising, like mm-hmm. so not doing the. And that's why I think my sister and I are so passionate about the like the pregnancy and postpartum guides because we can use studies to predict the changes of behaviors of somebody's body in that pregnancy and postpartum period. Obviously, not everybody is the same but we can do our best to predict behaviors. Whereas like my first pregnancy, I was doing a lot of running. I like wanted to be that gal that was running and for like, I was like 39 weeks. And then I had such bad pubic synthesis pain. I think I had to stop running at week 25, but I would like take a shower and then crawl out of the shower, like towards the couch. And my husband would be like, yo, how long do you think you're like going to do this for? This, like, this is very extreme. You can't walk after you run. Like what? You're like, I'm running a half marathon while eight months pregnant. Darn it. I'm doing this. But I mean, that's like the dumb athlete in me, right? You right. No. Yeah. Competitive. The dumb athlete out of yourself. Like if you are like a competitive mm-hmm. person, even at the gym, I knew like probably like we would be doing these like excessive lateral lunges and stuff. And I'd be like, dude, that guy's 50. I'm not going to let him beat me. <laughs> like, I'm going to do this thing right now. And I'm like, oh, wait, this should probably be like more of like symmetrical movement at this point in my pregnancy. But I was like, yeah, that ain't happening. So, so again, it's really hard to retrain if you're athletic to retrain your brain, like do the right things because you know what the right things would be. It's like a little kid at school trying to urge you to do the wrong things in the gym. but Right. And then I also just think it's like one of those things I've had to talk to my friends because like, you know, within the chiropractic world, they're doing home births and that type of stuff. So if they're going into it like an emergency C, it's a big deal that because, you know, it's like, hey, this isn't progressing. You like this is bad or whatever. But I feel as if it's also like we will it like this is the perfect birth that we want. Right. Like every woman's got what they want. And usually it doesn't go as planned. It never does. But at least for us, I think within the healthcare field, I mean, my own health challenges, like you've had a cesarean. Now you can speak to that to your patients at a whole different level than you ever could before. Right. Like, so it's always like a win in the end. We end up learning so much in our own process of it, I think. Yes. And to that point, though, I do think there's a lot of like people that for me, it 
it took a little bit to get wrap my head around that I was like a cesarean birth mom, so to speak. Like I still feel very robbed from the experience of never feeling like pain with contractions or trying to labor and deliver. Like I like personally feel really robbed from that experience. So I think sometimes too, bringing awareness that it's okay to feel like that. Mm -hmm. And that sometimes like there's a lot of an emotional component to work through. Cause like today we're talking mainly about physical stuff, but there is a huge emotional component. Like when we share on our Instagram and like all of our stuff about like mobilizing your C-section scar, people are Mm -hmm. like, no, I like cannot bring myself to even look or touch it. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? It's like physical, but it's not the physical No, but you hit, this is, I think we need to deep dive into this, right? Because I know moms that feel how, I don't want to like, this is going to sound so harsh, but I, I mean, it's their own words where they feel like it's, they're a less of a mom because they didn't go through, the baby didn't come through the vaginal canal, but you are still like, you birthed that baby. Like, you know what I mean? So I think this is a big topic that women don't talk about because we feel robbed. Yeah. And one thing I actually picked this up from another physical therapist, which she called them cesarean births instead of cesarean section or a cesarean. And I totally grabbed onto that because I was like, that is much more empowering, like as far as the verbiage. Also on the flip side too, because we've shared that on our Instagram, because that's personally like, that's my personal feelings. And I know I've had so many patients, so many moms feel the same way. So we shared that one time, like a cesarean birth isn't something to be ashamed of. Mm -mm. And then people were like, I actually too, you're like making us feel bad because we don't feel bad. So I think like if you're cool with it, you're cool with it, right? You know, like, like you're like 10 steps ahead of the program for me. You know, like if we're going to rehab, you're like already past the denial phase because I'm still stuck on that phase. I have had because of the area of Michigan I'm in. This was, it's been 10 years, but people that were scheduling their cesareans. So their babies would be in a certain zodiac sign, right? So, I mean, then you have like the whole opposite <laughs> Like, I will listen to myself. Oh my gosh. Like, I don't know. Does the zodiac still work that way? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, though. I, I've seen some interesting stuff with those signs, not to get too voodoo but I'm like, I'm, I'm buying in sometimes. <laughs> I know, but like when your mom's scheduling because you want that baby to be born, I'm like, I don't know. I think you're just, you're playing with too much. <laughs> Totally, totally. <laughs> okay. Anyways, let's get back. Sorry, total all sorts of tangents. <laughs> this I know. is the lasso. We're gonna... I told you, there's the lasso move again. But I think during pregnancy too, we think about that lower half a ton. The rib positioning, I can't tell you when we're talking about where your ribs are in that postpartum period, I'm like so into rib position, pelvic position and getting and we'll talk about in a second, but that piston moving. So having rib mobility during pregnancy is huge laying on your side before you get out of bed and opening up your chest or laying on your side and doing what's called like a little rainbow where you're bringing your upper arm and just getting the ribs to move breathing in through that back body because during pregnancy, what often happens is you'll kind of either do one of two things, you'll kind of be in that more hunched over phase because of the breast tissue those big old boobies that you get when you're not even nursing yet will pull you forward. And or if the baby's sticking in the upper ribs, which a lot of moms that like have had babies in the upper ribs, they know exactly what I'm talking about because it can be very uncomfortable. So then they like to like bring their chest backwards, like they're really leaning back and get out of the way. But again, once we go into that postpartum period, and if you get stuck in these positions, it can be really hard. So during pregnancy, if you're maintaining your upper back straight, 
the chest flexibility and mobility and that rib mobility, that can be huge to getting your abdominal because our abs literally attach onto our rib cage, right? Mm-hmm. So that's forgotten about a lot when we're talking about postpartum core work and it's like all about the lower stuff or whatever, but your rib positioning literally will be like magic. I did this one um, and a lot of PTs will probably recognize this name. What the hell is her name? I'm so bad at names. It's a Canadian, Diane Lee, Diane Lee. So Diane Lee, I did this whole course when I was in uh, just graduated PT school. I was like, dude, I'm going to get the dopest exercises. It was all about getting your core back after baby. And I was like, I'm going to get like 10 exercises that are going to send me ahead of the game. And the whole freaking course was about proper rib positioning (laughs) and how that makes your core fire and function, which I know is true now because I worked with so many moms. You're like, wait (laughs) I want like a secret sauce. Give me your 10 best exercises. And this Canadian woman was telling me not to drink Coke. I don't drink Coke, but telling other people in the course. And she was telling us all about the ribs. I was like, okay, that wasn't an easy answer, but sure. I I wanted your secret recipe. No, that's funny, but it's so true. It's so true. And then you just think of like postpartum when they're breastfeeding, like it's always the upper thoracic stuff is always a mess. Yes. And I had such bad after my first one, like when I was doing the stupid stuff, I had such bad <laughs> upper back, like it, like it burnt, like mm-hmm. crazy burnt. And then I would get treated and then it would kind of come back. back. So, you know, a piece of it is that we're lacking some of that stability sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, Because, you know, you can't do the same stuff. That's kind of repetitive, right? That's the definition of insanity. You do the same stuff and it comes back. Mm -hmm. You're like, I'm going to sign up for my massage. And then, oh, it only lasts for a couple hours. Or, or, you know, some chiropractors, some PT, Mm -hmm. you adjust, you do that. And then it comes back. It's like, come on, yo. I know. And now I think it's just even compounded because everybody's on their phone. And then working from home right now with COVID, like all these people that are, you know, I, at least at this point, people have purchased the desk for at home. But, you know, early on when they're like, I'm just working on my laptop and I'm like, oh, my God, this posture is the worst that I've seen it in a year. Like, what's going on? It is so, so insane because, too, we've shared about mommy wrist, which is, you know, when your thumb is bothering you, thumb area, I should say. Mm-hmm. But I do think it is going to get worse over this pandemic time because um, the stats for that are pretty low. Like, I think it's like 11 percent of women in that postpartum period will have it. I think that's going to be much higher after mm-hmm. the pandemic mm-hmm. and their phones and computers. And I don't think that people have got the proper work set up sometimes at home. Like, it, no, none of them none do. Of, none of my freaking patients do. So I would imagine Mm-mm. that none of your audience does either. Yeah, no. Yeah. I have had a handful of people that have realized they're not going back to work ever that have decided to invest in a nice desk or a wa- I've had a lot of people saying I'm doing a walking desk now. I'm like, okay, so like kudos to them. But I would say still it's like 1% of people. It's not many. Oh, totally. But think about how many people probably make a target run on this freaking podcast and drop like a hundred bucks or a couple hundred. I'm like, I I buy a joy in games. I'll go up and down that aisle, try to find something. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Think about making an investment Mm -hmm. in some of the house. So, and I think it does become especially important during that pregnancy. Yes. And that postpartum period, because it just amplifies some of the problems that they're already having. Oh, for sure. What was underlying? Yes. Yes. So then again, the healing portion of postpartum. So when we're talking about labor and delivery, um, one of the things that I know that we get on Expecting and Empowered sometimes is like, hey, I want to thank you for your guides because it helped us with a quick labor and delivery. And that is like, literally, I cannot 
stand when I hear that because because with labor and delivery, it's sometimes a quicker delivery doesn't mean that it's easier or easier on your body. It can actually be more like traumatizing to your body and more impact because your tissue doesn't have time to extend. So again, the pelvic floor during labor and delivery needs to be able to relax and get out of the way. The mm-hmm. abdominal should contract. We should be blowing through our mouths like with a pursed lips and a small exhale, like as if you were blowing out birthday candles a lot of times too. And sometimes at the very end, it's instinctual to hold your breath, but usually for the most part, you should be exhaling or breathing out. But if we have a very quick labor and delivery, that means that your pelvic floor is stretching like too quickly and the baby's descending too quickly, which can lead to more tearing like having problems with the baby descending all the way into the pelvic floor. Um, it can, uh, you can need forceps or vacuum assisted labor and like devices. So I think too, the key is knowing what you can control in that, which again is pelvic floor needs to relax. You can use a mirror to see that if that is helpful to you. Sometimes a mirror freaks people out. (laughs) The two sides of the sits bones need to be able to come apart. And you want to think about a flower blooming or coming out and letting that area really heal. Another key portion of that is keeping a neutral spine. So in a lot of labor and delivery positions that you'll see, people are like really leaning forward or like kind of curling in, but sometimes that's making the spine in a suboptimal position. So like, even if you're listening, try to think about sitting up nice and tall and then relaxing your pelvic floor, inhaling and relaxing that pelvic floor. And then now hunch forward, inhale in and think about relaxing your pelvic floor. To me, I don't feel a lot of movement on that second one. I can easily do it when I have a nice neutral spine. So I think too, in labor and delivery, if you're in a squat position, you're making sure your chest is still up, your spine is still neutral. Um, Even if you have an epidural, if you're laying on your side, I could use the side of the hospital bed to pull Mm -hmm. down and my spine is still neutral and I'm still using my abs. Versus again, that like crunched or flex position is going to put a lot more pressure and not allow our pelvic floors to relax all the way. So true. That's I'm just thinking about all these women also in stirrups, right? Yes. And then <laughs> the problem with stirrups is that your sacrum, yeah. so there's three bones mm-hmm. in our body, the two iliums, the sacrum, then our sacrum is nailed down to the yeah. back of the table. So our sacrum needs to be able to move out of the way. And again, there is, so even if you had an epidural, if you lay on your side, you could use a peanut ball to support that top leg. You could have a partner holding your top leg. There's lots of different things that you can even do with an epidural to get off of that back position. But so often women are like almost bullied into it. Yeah, They're bullied into laying on their back. Mm -hmm. And I always say, F, this is like my vagina. Like, (laughs) I mean, it just me. like, I mean, if this was like, I wish we could show this, but I mean, because you've got your spine behind you, but I always just physically take my spine and show that to my patients. And I'm like, okay, this is what happens when you're on your back. This is how the pelvis and like you just said, the sacrum flattens out. Like, how does baby get through there? Right. So we'll have a video link where we'll put this up on Vimeo so you can watch this too. This is our sacrum. It needs to be able to move. Our tailbone should also move. That's why there's a lot of tailbone injuries. I think laying on your back is why there's so many tailbone injuries. That makes sense. That could be avoided because think about too, when you're laying on your back, now my sacrum's buckled right to Mm -hmm. the table. And then also my tailbone, see how this like curves inward naturally. Mm -hmm. Now I'm having to push baby up and over my tailbone to get him or her out or multiples, get them out so that 
again, their heads, their little heads and shoulders are pressing right into this tailbone and making it harder. But if I lay on my side, you can easily see how there can be movement in this area without it being buckled down. If you don't have an epidural on board, then two quadruped is shown in research to be the less damaging position. So some people, their instinctual behavior is to go into a squat. Squats though, your pelvic floor is still usually active. So again, like doing what feels right and is comfortable. Mm -hmm. But if I were like going into making a birth plan, quadruped is the position that I'm going to choose as like answer A. Yes. It's probably like the best position to be in to put less pressure on your pelvic floor. And then to be able to push the easiest without tearing or compromising that tissue. I hear it all the time. How do I get my kids to eat fruits and vegetables? How can I get them to take a multivitamin? Or even for our adults, I hate fruits and vegetables. How do I incorporate some of the great benefits of this? This is why I created the Nourish Super Greens and Super Reds. You are going to love them. They are all organic. You have organic green blend and an organic red antioxidant blend. But what else I love about this... I brought in immune support as well. So we have such amazing superfoods, all of the different mushrooms that are in there, along with digestive enzymes. And you can just mix it into your smoothie. You can mix it into some water, but it tastes good. There are no added sugars. You're going to love it. So just click the link below or go to drlisao.com and click the shop button. Yeah. And I mean, if you just look back and just like ancestrally, like there are... Well, they used to squat for childbirth, even looking at just different, different, just so, yeah, it's different, right? I've always heard, I don't know, have you heard this one? Instinctually, they too, they want to like almost crawl on the floor. Yeah. Or be that quadruped position. I had heard, and I've never verified this. I've heard this for like 20 years. So I don't know if this is an old wife's tale or what, but it was King Henry that chose to have his wives' child put their legs up for birth. Oh, really? See, now too, I think nowadays though, like it happens because it's honestly easier for your medical team. Doctor, yeah, oh my gosh, right? That's like so many things. Get checked out, right? Mm -hmm. And that's a very controlled situation because they can see everything very Mm -hmm. easily. There's legs in the way because you're in that position. So I do think that now it happens out of convenience. So too, another compromise that I'll tell my patients is like, okay, if you want to have an epidural and you want to lay on your side, like, Telling your physician that A, beforehand can be very helpful. So it's not a fight when everything is already so escalated with birthing. Um, And then B, if they are like really against it when they check you, say, okay, so when you check me, I'm going to lay on my back, but then I'm going to go back to my side to actually push and stuff. So that's a compromise, right? So we're letting them. And to have their partner there. So that way he can, like, I sit there and think of like my sister and um, when she had her baby, like my my brother-in-law was there, like knew exactly what needed to be done. You know what I mean? So to have your husband, to have your partner there willing to advocate for you. Yes, um, well, if your husband's not interested in that part. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I need somebody <laughs> there. Yeah. If your husband's out hunting or something as it's turning into hunting season here. He's like, see, I think husbands get scared, scared too, though, because if the physician's like, you'll lay on your back. And he like sometimes I think that husbands are like, dude, lay on your back. That's yeah, like, he told you, yeah. And I'll be like, no, bro, this is my vagina. Like I'm gonna lay right. And I think it's also like, don't you see it with your patients where like the new parents, at least the dad comes in with so much more mad respect for his wife after this, after witnessing what she just you know 
Yeah, either like, way, it's kind of cool. I don't want to have sex with them for a while, which <laughs> you have problems with that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> right well, we're a we're family wellness practice. So I was just. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, and then in that postpartum period, one thing to think about whether you have a cesarean birth or a vaginal delivery, like you cannot expedite the cellular healing process of your body. Like I think people way overdo it. I think we're like looked at as like being super cool if we're out and doing things, lifting our toddlers, doing all that stuff. But there's like key components to your body's cellular healing that you can't expedite. Like you need at least 12 weeks where you are really like you can mess up later, but to the T, you are icing, you have compression, you are resting that area, you're trying to get sleep with a newborn that can be really hard. But even research shows if you get like three to four hours of solid sleep, so like not having trouble falling asleep, there's like certain things that we can do to play into those habits. Hydration and again, nutrition are going to be huge at helping your body from a cellular standpoint heal. So big with nutrition, huge, like anti-inflammatory foods for sure. Don't load on the sugar. (laughs) Cleanest. I will tell you, like I am pretty fairly healthy eater, but I'll do Chick-fil-A or something every once in a while or some Starbucks. I'm actually trying to recover from the Starbucks habits, but recovering Starbucks. But I was, I told they were like writing my bio for something. And I was like, Actually, I'm not going to joke about this because this is not jokeable. <laughs> say that I'm a recovering Starbucks person because <laughs> I really am. That stuff has so much sugar in it. It's so yeah. addicting. So but anyway, the point of that was that my diet is literally the healthiest you'll ever see it in that like two weeks to three weeks right before I deliver. And then the four to six weeks, like right after, like I'm talking like literally I'll have people bring stuff into the hospital because that's such an important part. Again, about the cellular stuff, you can't like do this. There's not a magical pill for it. Like that's the reality. There's no potion or lotion that you can just get to the cells to heal. You've got to feed it like absolutely. So if you're going to choose when to have your celebratory dinner, it could be like three months postpartum. We should like <laughs> start a trend on Instagram. That could be I'm three months postpartum. I'm eating my children. I can have now. champagne. <laughs> but when I see people doing that, like in their hospital that I'm like cringing in my, I know cringing because I'm like, this is not the time. I know. I, yeah, I've learned. I have to always just keep my mouth shut on a lot of stuff. <laughs> I know. I know. So do I. <laughs> but So this is why I have this platform. We can say it here and they can learn. And then well, they're learning though, right? Because yeah. sometimes too, like if you don't know that or like, yeah. I feel like, I mean, this could be a whole nother podcast, but I feel like, you know, like our education systems have like 0% got us ready for dealing with stress yeah. or knowing nutrition needs. So a lot of times people just don't know, like, right. Mm-hmm. So if you didn't know how much that could actually affect your body's healing then again, like you're not able to make an informed, educated decision about that. And especially when we have lived in a society where we are fed pills for everything. Yeah. That's, I mean, yeah. that's, that's what we know. Yeah. <laughs> so it's people like us, we're changing this. <laughs> well, but the problem is there's no money in it, right? That's so, I have said that there's no money in healthy. Yes. <laughs> there's no money. Like, so even to, I mean, again, with a freaking lasso tangent thing. But mm-hmm. one of the biggest things with COVID too, is we, these people that get COVID, if they were to do some breathing treatments, so some deep inhales and some deep exhales, mm-hmm. I wonder how much too that could really reduce how heightened you I know. get of the virus. 
you know, like, so that doesn't cost money. Right. Mm -hmm. But that's not out there a lot. Cause I don't think that is like a huge moneymaker for anybody. Or what came out with COVID was that these people had two to three comorbidities. Right. So yeah. if we were learning how to eat healthy and we weren't morbidly obese, like, you know what I mean? Like, so there's yeah. a lot of the stats that, I mean, we're going to learn a lot through this process if we ever yeah. get out of this process. I hope so, dude. I'm over it. Right. Like everybody else. <laughs> so then the other part postpartum is like your physical restoration. Right. So a big piece of that is our brains. Our brains are like the grand central station. They do things automatically. Right. It's like Michael Jordan taking a freaking layup. You just have to practice good patterns over and over again. So in that postpartum period, because I've been there three times, like I know that psychologically, like I want to get back trimmed out as quick as I can. But they, you cannot do that. It has to be like a step by step by step process. So one of the biggest things is what's called like this pistoning system. So our core is comprised of four different structures, our diaphragm, our pelvic floor, our back muscles and our abdominal muscles. So those really work together to create stability to help our spine stay nice and healthy so that we don't like have a quote unquote bad back or our back mm -hmm. being thrown out all the time, or also help with a lot of pelvic health things. So getting that to function automatically is so key in that initial postpartum period. So I actually am a big believer that that six week check is kind of like, I think it's really stupid, to be honest, as far as from a physical standpoint, there are medical things that they're looking for that they really do need to look for in that short period. But when a physician like doesn't check anything and they just say, oh, go out and exercise, you're fine to have sex or exercise like that really irks me because there's yeah. things that need to happen like from a brain retraining standpoint, um, like, cause we're like having to learn all over again, the baby, when it was in utero creates a lot of stability, right? So that baby is like, since they're taking up space, they create stability, which usually our muscles have to do the abs, the back, the diaphragm, the pelvic floor work together to control that stability. once you take the baby out, that can be really hard to relearn the stabilization, how to breathe. So making sure one of the first things I'm teaching patients and that we're doing in the expecting an empowered postpartum guide is actually breathing. So when we're thinking about breathing, I like to think about that as in thirds. So if you think about your chest, your middle um, ribs, right by the diaphragm, and then your lower belly, a lot of these things that are pressure issues like DR or prolapse, sometimes people are forgetting about that lower third by our belly buttons, right? So we're not exhaling from the bottom up. We want to take a nice deep inhale in. As we inhale, our pelvic floor should relax. Those middle ribs should expand, but you should feel that all the way down. When we exhale too, we want to exhale from the bottom up. So we want to think about exhaling from our pelvic floor all the way up through our abdominals and then out the mouth with some pursed lips. That has huge benefits like later on because it, we can get back to that primitive function. So for example, too, when you're going back into a squat, sometimes you'll see women, their lower abdominals, there'll be like a huge chunk of what looks like is fat, but is like the viscera and everything sitting there in a squat. But if we were to re really retrain our brains to be exhaling from the bottom up, when you're in the bottom of a squat, you'll see somebody's abdominal wall flatten out instead of having that puckering or tissue at the bottom. So these things will translate into other into other areas. Like as you go to put your baby in a crib, instead of seeing your belly just hang or droop, our bellies will automatically activate if we really get our brains connected around this thought pattern from breathing or retraining that area of breath. Because then our cores will 
fire automatically. Like our, our abdominals should not be on all the time and they shouldn't be relaxed all the time, but they should kind of automatically turn on when we go to lift a heavy object, when we go to lift a squirming toddler. Um, so it will do that if you kind of coordinate that breath automatically. And then again, with hip and rib positioning, if we have those two in the right, if you basically get your breath down and what I call stack your S-H-I-T, then <laughs> you can really like get all of this stuff to fire on super automatically. That's awesome. That is awesome. Because I think so often people don't even realize that they're not breathing correctly. Yes. And then sometimes with the brain too, it's literally going back to which muscles work together. I think this is really hard for PTs to gather um, because in PT school, we're like literally taught like the shoulder, then the hip, Mm -hmm. then the abdominals, then the foot, but our bodies work synergistically. So that means certain muscles work together. So for example, our lats work with our opposite glute all the time. They should be when we're walking. Um, But instead, sometimes in that postpartum period, you'll get this sleepy area where those two don't connect. So doing certain exercises like a bridge with a lat pull down. So bridging with the left leg and the lat pull down with the right. Those things are going to like literally waken up those programs in the brain. It's kind of like hitting the control delete button on a computer. You're reprogramming the brain to pick that stuff back up if we're doing the right type of exercise. So this can be really hard for like somebody that really wants to get back into what they like doing, what kind of makes them me like I love running. So it took like every single pregnancy, I took longer and longer away from running because I knew that my brain had to create these patterns and the stability before I could hit the pavement safely and without doing damage again. And actually, interestingly, with my cesarean, so three cesareans, like my stats should have been super high for having DR after and I never had DR after six weeks for any of them. So I was like, damn, everybody swipe up for the postpartum guide, swipe up. Only time I got it was when I started running more hardcore the year after my third, which is very interesting, right? Because you think you check it, you're out of the clear. And so for that diastasis recti, when those abdominals split, sometimes too, that in that case, I loaded it too much. Like I was asking too much of it and I wasn't even ready for it yet. So, and that was like doing the correct things, you know, but... Mm -hmm. It's interesting, right? Like you learned a like huge, massive lesson to be able to teach to others though. I hate to say that sometimes we use our bodies as back up, so I'm all good. But but then I knew how to pull back, right? Right. So then I pulled yeah. back. I I literally just massaged my own abdominal muscle because yeah. some of it was tissue restrictions, and then I was good to hit the pavement. But there's so much that we can do because I think a lot of people either go they stop doing it because mm-hmm. they know it, but they don't know what to do, and or they just keep doing it, right? I just am gonna keep leaking when I run because I need it for the mental component, but. Right you know, like, I don't know how to fix that other component. So it's so interesting. Yeah. So get them to start focusing in on their breathing, huh? To really help. I'm like now big into making sure we're releasing things before we start to. So like in a Mm -hmm. vaginal birth, you're thinking about inhaling into the pelvic floor, releasing it and or doing like, literally, you can take your finger and on the insides of your sits bones too, yeah. you can dig up in there and release some of the pelvic floor muscles before, like that would be a perfect example too of somebody that's nervous to get back in the sack, like going through and doing some of that work a little bit beforehand because obviously your tissue tolerance is going to be super low because you probably haven't had sex in, you know, like six to eight to some people cut it off really early in the right. third trimester. 
there. Um, so like going in there and releasing some of the tissues with a C-section scar, I've seen huge improvements in my running form. So like my hip can extend backwards if I mobilize my C-section scar or if I'm starting to have a little bit of diffuse low back pain, I mold my C-section scar and then all of a sudden my back stuff goes away. So again, mm-hmm. we're three-dimensional human beings. Mm-hmm. So really connecting these little parts and pieces can make a huge difference on our function. Awesome. And I'm assuming you've got all sorts of stuff like this on, I know you do on your, on Instagram. There's so much free stuff on Instagram. Literally there's like a blog post then hopefully everything. Like in your stories are always so great too. (laughs) When I go through and scroll. Oh, what else information? Like this is just so great for everybody, like all women. So not just right postpartum. Yeah. I mean, I really think the takeaway to today is like, you can make a huge change mm-hmm. like way farther out. So some of the things that we talked about today were the breathing, like having some awareness of your posture. Sometimes though, you're not able to hold those postures because you don't have the strength to support it. So trying to mix things up. So for example, like a guy runner, sometimes they can have, be having like hip pain, but it could be a tight pelvic floor. So there can be lots of different things. You can always heal like way further out from a C-section or way further out. So there's lots of great resources on expecting and empowered on Instagram or to just finding like a great practitioner in your area. Um, I know for us, it's the APTA.org and then find a PT you can find. And I don't know for chiropractors, what is the easiest? It's everyone. Yeah. Through their state associations, I would assume at this point. Yeah. Yeah, We're such a divided profession. (laughs) Do you like though, literally going into like, honestly, now we can use social as a great platform. So like, Dude, who's the dopest PT in Okinawa? In that area, exactly. And then like, you'll see like the same names pop up over and over. So mm-hmm. absolutely. And then you can go check reviews too. <laughs> awesome. So expecting and empowered on Instagram, give them your webpage too. I know you've got some, some great books out there as well. Yeah, that's expectingandempowered.com. And yep, lots of blog stuff on there that you can take away for free. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time today, Crystal. This is so much fun. Yes, of course. Thank you for having me. Did you like that episode? I absolutely love having the opportunity to interview some of the best and brightest guests and to share them with all of you. So if I may ask you a huge favor, I would love it if you went on over to Apple Podcasts and gave us a review. I personally read each and every one of them as they come in and I am always inspired by your feedback. So I would be so appreciative if you did that. And here is the legalese. All content provided by Dr. Lisa Olszewski and her guests in her programs, including this podcast, her website, summits, and other platforms, is for educational and informational purposes only. Always seek the advice of your physician or another qualified health provider before you make any changes to your health routine, especially related to this content. Ask your physician questions about medical conditions. No statement has been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration, and products mentioned or discussed in these programs are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I hear it all the time. How do I get my kids to eat fruits and vegetables? How can I get them to take a multivitamin? Or even for our adults, I hate fruits and vegetables. How do I incorporate some of the great benefits of this? This is why I created the Nourish Super Greens and Super Reds. You are going to love them. They are all organic. You have organic green blend and an organic red antioxidant blend. But what else I love about this? 
I brought in immune support as well. So we have such amazing superfoods, all of the different mushrooms that are in there, along with digestive enzymes. And you can just mix it into your smoothie. You can mix it into some water, but it tastes good. There are no added sugars. You're going to love it. So just click the link below or go to drlisao.com and click the shop button. I want to introduce you to my newest product, Balance Tea, in my Nourish Balance Thrive line. What is Balance Tea? This is balancing out testosterone. It might just be the supplement that you've been missing in your entire routine. Ladies, I don't want you to freak out thinking this is only for men. This is also for you. We need testosterone in the right amounts to promote lean, sexy muscle. So if you are realizing you're doing your workouts, you're not really gaining muscle mass, you can't figure out what's going on, you might want this product. So I absolutely love it. I noticed a huge change in my workouts immediately after I started testing it out. So check it out. Grab a bottle for you. Grab a bottle for your hubby. You're going to love it. Click the link below. Otherwise, drlisao.com and then click on the shop button.